Hola, and welcome to the Beauteous Me podcast, a relatable and authentic space for all. Every week, we hop on a roller coaster, share laughter and tears on topics we might be ashamed to discuss. We do this all while finding its inner beauty. My name is Jamili Whitfield, and the journey begins now. Hi guys, welcome back to another episode of the Beauteous Me podcast. I have another wonderful guest, Trista Carr. She is here to share her story, her experience in women's ministry, which is so super exciting. So let me introduce Trista. Trista Carr is the co-founder of Live Out, Full Out and founder of Breaking Bread with Women. Trista is passionate about helping women discover their identity so that they can walk in their destiny. As a coach, speaker, and pastor, Trista empowers women and helps transform them from who they are now to who they are called to become. Trista, welcome. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be on. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So tell us a little bit about your story and your journey. Yeah. So as you said, my passion really is to empower women um, to from where they are to where they're called to be, to be able to know their identity and to be able to eventually walk in their destiny. For me, um, I grew up, I'll give you the short version, but I grew up in a very broken home. My dad left when I was 18 months old. My mom um, at that point really began to decide that she really didn't want to be a mom. Um, And so I lived most of my life with my grandparents um, and they really tried to do the best that they could do. Um, my, my grandfather worked, my grandmother worked. Um, so I was basically at home by myself a lot, learning how to be self-sufficient at really such a young age. My mom did live with my grandparents, but my mom would go to work and then come home and lock herself in the bedroom. And I remember as a little girl really struggling to realize and come to some type of comprehensive, um, understanding of what have I done to make my dad leave? Um, and not want to be a part of my life. And what have I done to make my mom not want to have a mother-daughter relationship with me? Um, and so I really struggled um, at a young age with my identity. I struggled um, seeing my friends have that great relationship with their dad and thinking, what have I done to not deserve that or earn that? Um, and then at the early age of five, Um, my uncle, who was also living with us, began to physically and sexually abuse me. And it went um, from the time that I was five until I was 15. And my family knew that it was happening. But yet, because my family was in a position where where we lived, everybody knew everybody, I would go out into the little town that we lived in. And people would say, oh, you're so-and-so's daughter, or you're you're so-and-so's granddaughter. And so because my last name came with people knowing who we were. It was hidden. It was, you know what? Don't talk about it. It's fine. Um, we'll tell him to stop, but it never stopped. Never stopped. So yeah. It just kept going. And so it led me to really beginning to, um, at nine years old drinking. Um, and then it's crazy, but my family hid the alcohol from my grandfather and they hid it underneath my bed. Well, I had no access <laughs> to it. And, and so I learned to drink it and, I learned from watching that my grandfather at night, sometimes he would drink. um, But then when he would drink, um, he didn't want people to know. So he would fill the alcohol bottles up with water. So I was like, well, hey, if it works for him, it's going to work for me. And people are going to think that it's him and not me. So I can get away with drinking at nine. And so I was able to to do that. 
Um, and it really just began to spiral out of control to um, at the age of 15. Um, at that point, I had a really good friend that was over my house and she witnessed the abuse firsthand. Um, I got really good with putting makeup on and knowing how to cover the bruises and the scars and to put the smile on. But inside, I was struggling with my identity. I didn't know who I was. All I knew at that point was that I must be unwanted and unloved because nobody um, has even said the word, I love you to me. I never heard that. In fact, I'm 35 years old and my family still has never said, I love you, Trista. And so, um, so yeah, it led me to, at that point, my friend witnessed the abuse. um, And so she went to school the next day. And that day I was in foster care went from foster care to foster care, removed from my home. Um, my uncle got a plea deal because my family, you know, took his side because, again, you don't want to tarnish the last name. And so I really struggled. Um, and for me, I had people coming into my life saying, well, you know, you need to serve God. You need to have a relationship with God. And all I knew about God was, you know, Sundays, um, going for Easter and going for Christmas Eve. That's all I knew. That's how I grew up, you know? It's interesting because pastors always joke about it. When you listen to a sermon, they're like, church is full today because it's Easter. Church is full today because it's Christmas. Take out the extra chairs. Yeah. As a kid, that one week every summer was vacation Bible school. And my mom was like, hey, go to vacation Bible school. Um, and just get out of my hair. Just don't be here. And so that's all I knew. I, I knew Jesus loves me. This I know. And this little light of mine, hide it under a bush. Oh, no. You know, that's all I knew about Jesus. And so my understanding at that point as I was growing is that everyone's telling me that he's this loving father, that he um, wants good for us. But look at my life. There's nothing good in my life. There's no way that God can be a loving father because in my head, I didn't even know what a loving father was. Mm-hmm. Um, and at that time, when I was 15, I got removed from my home. That's the same time that my own dad passed away. And so he died. And I think that's when it all just ran out of control for me. Just because loss after loss after loss exactly. after loss. You know, the exactly. loss of, of your home because mm-hmm. the way it was toxic from age mm-hmm. five to 15. You know, here comes a friend to rescue you, but it's the loss of a home. It's what you mm-hmm. know for, for all these years. For 10 years, this is what you knew. Exactly. You know, the loss of being in multiple foster care placements mm-hmm. and then the loss of your dad. That, mm-hmm. that, that was a deep. And that, I think, for me, was the hardest for me um, because as a little girl, you know, my grandmother tried so hard to always make my birthday special. Mm. And for the longest time, I would dread my birthday because, you know, you get this cake and they say, okay, make a wish, blow it out. You know, for me, my wish was I wanted to be daddy's little girl. I just wanted to meet my dad. I wanted to see my dad. Um, I even wrote into the Mari Povich show when I was little before it was like, wow. you, know, you are the father, you're not yeah. the father. Before it's the crazy <laughs> stuff like it is now, right? But I even wrote into the Mari Povich show asking, like, please get me into the relationship with my father. And the crazy thing that I think was the hardest part for me was that I had a relationship with my father's parents, my grandparents, mm. but I didn't have a relationship with my father. And so, um, that's really when at the age of all of this in my foster care's, um, house and one of my foster care's house in the bathroom, I locked in my door and I said, okay, life is just not worth living. And that's when I attempted suicide. Um, and I want to say that things got better after that, but it really wasn't until I had to change schools and I changed schools and 
my best friend, um, she wasn't my best friend at the time, but she's one of my best friends now. She, uh, it was college level English class. And she uh, met me the first day and she's like, you're new here. And she's like, you know, how are you? Tell me a little bit about you. And then she told me, um, hey, I go to church on Wednesday nights and I lead worship. And I was like, yep, not, not, not for me. You know, she's like, we would love to have you. And I was like, yep, not for me. And then she was like, and my dad's the pastor. I was like, oh, heck Hell no. no. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Right. And so, but she stayed persistent. And it was funny because I remember saying um, in English class, I was like, well, I know who I'm not going to partner with in that mm-hmm. class. And then the very next day, our teacher said, you're going to have partners for the whole year. And I already assigned them. And guess who? He assigned me to her. And so I couldn't avoid it, girl. It was hard. I looked back oh now. And then laughed about it. She was like, you, you did my head in. Like, you caused me so much pain. I was like, I tried to avoid you. And everywhere I went, there you were. But I am so thankful that she stayed persistent. She never bashed me with the Bible. She lived out the Bible. She mm-hmm. lived out the love of God. And so finally, um, after much convincing, I went to a youth group, like, for Christmas. Because she promised no worship. She promised no singing. She promised no preaching. It was just a Christmas party, a white elephant gift exchange. And I said, I can handle that. And um, <laughs> let me tell you, when I walked into the church, um, the, the youth group was underground, not underground, but like in the basement. In the basement, yeah. And, um, it was called ground level. And when I walked down those steps, I was met with people that loved me. And it was crazy because here I am at this point, 17 years old. And I was the first time that I ever realized what love was. And I, and I was like, I don't know what this is. Like, I don't know. I don't know how to react to love. But it drew me to wanting to go back every week. And so I went back to youth group, sat in the back row, didn't get involved, just sat there and said, okay, um, I'm just going to listen. And then finally, months went by and she invited me to a youth conference. And there was 5,000 young people at this youth conference called Acquire the Fire. Wow. And and they were jumping up and down. It was a two-day event, May 10th, May 11th. And I remember looking at her and I said, I think I got involved in a cult. And she's like, no. <laughs> and so I listened that whole weekend. And the pastor that was up there, he explained his broken life. And I was like, man, I can relate. And I was like, if he can get hope, then and there's hope for him, then there's hope for me. And I ran down from the peanut gallery all the way to the top down to the bottom the altar call and surrendered my life to God. And that really began the journey for me. I was supposed to go to school to be a doctor. I decided to go to school to be a pastor. Um, that really began the journey of discovering that there was a God that loved me so much that he died on the cross for me and that he was brokenhearted because of the pain that I was going through. But he began to restore me. And that's why I'm so passionate today for helping women because I can relate to so many of them. Maybe not everybody have a sexual assault story but mm-hmm. and just as women we are so I think and being in the church world for so long I think women tend to tear down other women we can oh my goodness yeah I've, I've discussed that so much in, in different with different guests it's just that 
instead of us embracing each other and being mm-hmm. loving to one another and supporting one another, it's like this competition, this attack, this yeah. not a good enough parent. You don't do PTA. You don't bake cookies. You don't do this. Mm-hmm. You're not a good enough wife. You're out hanging out. How does your husband allow you to go out? Or they just, right. whatever it is, you work too much. You work too little. You work from home. Yeah. You work outside. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yeah, it's constant comparison. And I've yeah. noticed through just working with women and you know, I was a youth pastor for many years and then God said, okay, that chapter is ending and now you're going to start with women. And I fought God. I was like, that's the last thing I want to do is work with women. <laughs> women are catty. I'm a woman. I know how I am. Like, you know, my fiance tells me like all the time, he's like, get out of your feelings because like, we're about to get married. And he's like, just get out of your feelings. I'm like, but I want to be in my feelings right now. <laughs> and so knowing how women are, because I'm one, I was like, this is the last thing I want to do. But God just really said, you have a story, you have something to share. Um, and and through that, just realizing my own walk and discovering my identity. And now every day I can wake up and walk in my destiny. That's why I'm passionate for women to be able to do the very same thing. Yes. So how do you support women with the breaking bread with women? Yeah. So we started or I started the Breaking Bread with Women group, actually um, November 6th of 2019. And um, before that, I was doing things with women to teenage pregnancy, went, uh, teenagers that were pregnant and, and just within our local church and things like that. But really, God said, I want you to start a group on Facebook um, and just have women come together and to share their differences, share there are things that there are like, but to really just come together at the table and break bread together, right? And have a community of women that support one another, that will be there in the trenches, in the dirtiest, dirtiest places when they're going through something, but that to celebrate when they're in the mountaintop as well. And so I remember just thinking about it and I went through a couple of my friends and I was like, I'm going to do this. And and I remember saying to God, okay, God, if we can just get 100 women in this group, then I'm happy because that's 100 women and it's a good group size on mm-hmm. Facebook and I'm okay with that, you know? And I remember starting it and the very next day that I started inviting people, I woke up in the morning and we had over like 145 and I was like, whoa. And God said, don't limit me. Right. I don't <laughs> God, I do what you want. And so... Um, as of today, we have over 1,400 women in that group. And wow. it is a place where um, on Monday nights, I go live every Monday. I bring on different guests. Sometimes we talk about hard topics. We talk about um, two weeks ago, we talked about, um, we had a guest um, that she's had two abortions and she shares her story and now how she's in charge of a ministry that helps women who've had an abortion. And, um, and through that podcast, we had four women or three women reach out have never shared that they had an abortion and they were living this painful life of regret and thinking that God was punishing them. And now they're getting the help um, to be able to walk in their true identity. And so it's been amazing. Um, we do things like that. We have, um, we have different days. Monday's called Monday Motivational Tuesdays or Testimonial Tuesdays. So different themes every day. But it really has come a place where um, women come on there the moment they need a prayer requ- have a prayer request they come on there and they're like hey I'm going through this I need prayer and I've been able to sit back and just watch the other women come on and say hey I'm praying for you right now I'm praying you got this and encouraging um, each other and so we're starting up some new things too we're gonna have some man panels where we'll get to ask the hot 
questions to the men and try to figure <laughs> out why men can't understand us women because we are so easy to understand, right? You know, right. <laughs> so, right. Um, so that's 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 the things that we do, and then. Um, my fiance and I have the, the full out Christianity group where it's men and women. And we go live on Thursday nights and we really talk about missions and discipleship. Um, and so just recently, my heart is for India. I've been there, uh, several times and we are actually, um, we, during the whole pandemic, we were able to supply a thousand masks over in Bangalore, India, Beautiful. 150 bags of grocery. Um, and then the big thing is women, um, 80% of women over there don't have access or the funds to be able to, per, to be able to buy sanitary napkins mm-hmm. when it's a month. And that's something and so, we take it, we take for granted, right? Exactly. We just go to the store and go, you know, Hey, and we have always, and we have stay free and we have this brand and we have this brand. Right. And the women in India, they just wish for one brand. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, or the funds to be able to provide or to be able to purchase that one. Um, and so 80% of those women, they use ashes or they use dry leaves or dirty rags. And because of that, it leads to 77% of those women ending up getting some type of infection and can lead to infertility. It can lead to a lot of different things. And so um, through pulling together, through breaking bread with women, as well as full out, we have been able to supply over 2000 pads to the women um, and just to see them receiving a bag of pads, their face lights up and to see something that we take for granted here. Um, and then our big news is that we just um, signed paperwork and we are in the process June 1st, opening up our very first full circle Academy and where we will be able to provide education for free to the, um, to 60 That's children. In the slum. Wow. Um, have never been to school or they go to school and they drop out because mm-hmm. they can't afford the fees and these, Slum, a lot of the children end up in sex trafficking or other things. And so they're going to be able to go to school for free, get an education and really um, learn their identity so that they can walk in their destiny. So I'm excited. Oh, I see it. You're with your smile. It's just so super amazing. Trista, you're sharing, you've shared such a deep, um, intimate and vulnerable story. And in the work that you do with uh, women and helping other women heal, um, are you sharing your story and your journey through uh, getting to where you are as far as with your spirituality, um, your 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 belief, and um, and how God got you here? Yeah, I am. I remember one of the very first um, lives that I did on Facebook on the Monday night, um, and I've preached at a lot of churches, and we do conferences. We have. We just launched our Breaking Bread with Women 10 City Tour this year. We've only been able to do one because then the whole coronavirus shut us down. But um, we're going to start that back up as soon as America opens back up. But um, And my passion is to travel and to preach. That's what I do a lot of it and, and preaching and sharing my journey to be able to provide hope for other women. And you just never know um, what a woman is going through. And so you share your story. And you share the goodness and the mercy of God. And so when I did one of my very first lives, um, I realized that, man, people were really excited. Like people were messaging me after me. Like, I can't wait till next Monday. And I remember one day just sitting there and, and I was drinking some tea or water or something. And I was journaling and God was like, it's time to share your story with breaking bread. And I was like, really? Tell me that now. <laughs> and then I started saying, well, 
you know, a lot of these women, some of these women go to my church, they know my story. So why do I need to share it again? Right. Um, and so I began to kind of barter with God a little bit, but I remember the moment that I got on and I prepared it, I had a friend of mine jump on to do kind of like an interview with me. Um, and I shared my story. And after that, the group began to grow. People began to like invite their friends and it just organically began to grow and people began to reach out and saying, Hey, you know what? I was sexually abused too. How did I, I need to know we walk on this journey with me or, Hey, I'm dealing with this or, you know, my, I, I didn't grow up with a father. And so I, I can relate to those feelings, but how can you see God as a father now and as a good, good father, walk me through that journey. And so it has really allowed for doors to begin to open up to begin to take women on the same journey that I went on. Yeah. So with that journey, how has been your journey with your family? Yeah. So great question. (laughs) Um, So my journey with my family has been a lot of ups and downs. um, But the one consistent thing has been, or two consistent things I would say has been love for me um, and forgiveness. Because although my family, they, you know, when I told my family I was going to school to be a pastor, they were like, you're crazy. You're giving up everything. You're so smart. You're supposed to be a doctor, you know. And I was like, that's not my calling. Um, And so they were very bitter and angry at me. And my family still to this day, some of my family members don't speak to me because um, you should have just kept your mouth shut and never said anything. And I was like, I'm not the one who said it. Like my friend is the one who turned it in, you know. Um. And so, and even and even so, it's it's it hurts to kind of hear that your family still revictimizes you at the mm-hmm. end of the day because it's mm-hmm. your fault. You you shared the family secret instead of saying it's his fault. He should have never touched you. And I'm sorry. Right. And how can right. I help you? How can I support you? Thank you for being brave. Mm-hmm. Right, and that's the that's the thing. Is and so it has come with a lot of forgiveness and walking in forgiveness walking in grace. Um, and so for me, you know, after college, I moved and I went to, um, I, I lived in Houston, Texas up until just a month and a half ago, two, well, actually two months ago. Um, and I was very happy with being in Texas because um, I was very far away from my family, which they live in the Pittsburgh area in Pennsylvania. And so I was very happy with that because it kept that distance. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and then when uh, obviously my fiance and I, when we were knowing that, okay, this is leading towards marriage and all of that. Him, him he lives in Erie, Pennsylvania, oh. which is like two hours, right? <laughs> and so him and I, we just began to pray and pray. And, you know, he was really thinking that, you know, preparing himself for God to move him to Houston. Mm-hmm. And, and I was preparing for that as well, you know? And then one day in just my time with God, God said, I'm calling you to Erie. And I fought God. I, was like, I hate the cold God. And my family is just like really close now, you know? Yeah. Um, and so I, you know, called my fiance and I was like, I, yeah, it's this way. And he's like, yeah, I agree. And so I remember people thinking like, man, you're leaving Houston to go to Erie, Pennsylvania. What's there. But these past two and a half months that we've been here, although in the midst of a lockdown, yeah, <laughs> some of the, it's been the best two and a half months of my life because it has allowed, I know that I'm where I'm supposed to be. And um, through that, and I was just actually sharing this with my fiance last night, I was like, through the way that he loves me and the way that I love him and the way that we love Christ, my hope is that through that, it will shine a light to my family. Yeah. And 
and be that light that they need. And that they, my family can see that I am walking in forgiveness towards them, that I am walking in grace towards them. Um, but it has been a journey. Like I said earlier, I'm 35 years old and my family has never looked at me and said, I love you. Mm. Like I'll say to my grandma, like, I love you, Graham. And she says, um, yeah, whatever. And I'm like, yeah. really? And so, so yeah, it's been a journey. And it's learning to forgive her and kind of understand, you know, I've always said this, what happened to her? Not what's wrong with grandma, but what happened mm-hmm. to grandma? That she mm-hmm. had that wall up and that she hasn't said, I love you to someone. What happened to mm-hmm. grandma? What happened yeah. in my family that they thought it was okay to shun that secret? Who else? Who else was right. out there that you don't know of? And so mm-hmm. you're, you're doing something brave and, and beautiful just to pray on them and ask for healing and forgiveness because they don't know, you know, when they're, when you're not walking in the faith, you don't know, it's, it's easier to hide and mask things. Um, but you do know, and, and you're mm-hmm. staying true to that. And though it hurts, cause when it's your family, it hurts, it hurts. Yes. And for people to even doubt you and, and why, why are you, why are you believing in church and why, why are you going mm-hmm. to church and this and that you could have been a doctor making so much money, but I could have been a doctor and I could have been unhappy. I could have been a doctor and you guys would have been asking me to support you in every way and to continue to have me involved in that toxicity. And so, you know, you're, you've remained true and faithful and that's just a testament of how he's worked through you and in you. And that's, mm-hmm. and I know that this is your reason and your purpose as to why you're serving other women and, and yeah. that you went through such significant trauma, but yet you're here. You're here and you yeah. pour love into other people when love was important to you. And that's beautiful. Like I, I just have goosebumps right now and I'm in feelings right now with it. And it's beautiful. Yeah. I think too, another big thing for me, and this is something that I see a lot as I travel um, to different churches and preach and talk to, and not just in the Christian world, but very much in the um and the, the communities that are in other faiths and other religions, but it's this victim mentality, you know, and people can look at me and they say, man, Trista, you are a victim. Yes. I understand. And I recognize that I was a victim. The book, I'm a victim. But, right. But I'm not going to stay in that victim mentality. Why? Because that victim mentality will keep me stuck. Yeah. It will keep me from walking in my identity. And then ultimately keep me walking in my, from in my destiny, right? Absolutely. And so I have to have that mindset of I'm a victor, mm-hmm. not a victim. I'm an overcomer. I'm more than a conqueror. I am who God says that I am. Yeah. And I just went on a journey. Mm-hmm. Um, and my good friend and I, um, that, that her name's Courtney, um, her and I actually just wrote a 365-day devotional, which is um, it's out it's ready for sale. We've sold copies already. It's just not in print yet because of the shutdown, the editor, everything closed. But we wrote a 365 day devotional and it's called I, the words that follow I am follow you. Ooh. What are we speaking over ourselves? Mm-hmm. I am a victim or I am a victor. <laughs> yeah, I am a victor or I'm a victim. I am a child of God or I am, you know, a piece of crap, mm-hmm. you know, things like that. So, and we literally took people on this journey of discovering a 365 days, every day you open it up and you, it's a new I am statement to speak something over your life that comes straight from the word of God. And so that's really where we pulled from, where I pulled from my own journey of walking out my identity, because I say this all the time. We will never walk in our destiny until we will walk in our identity. You have to know who you are to be. 
Yeah. You have to know who you are and whose you are before you can do anything. You know, before you can complete your destiny, you have to know your identity. Preach. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so, Trista, where can people find, uh, I mean, I know it's not out in print, but I'm sure they can get uh, more information on the 365 devotional and on your Facebook group and everything. Yeah. So uh, on the Facebook, if you just go on to and search for breaking bread with women, it'll pop up. There's over 1400. Like I said, it's like 1435. I think we're at members. And then you can just uh, hit join and it sends me a request. Um, and I, and the reason why it sends me a request is it's a private group. Why? Because I don't want people's privacy, of course. Right. And I want people to know that that's a safe place. And people have come on there and hey, have shared some really deep, intimate things. And so that's a very safe place. Um, and so then, and I also make sure that you know no men can get in. Like my fiance, he's tried to join the group a couple times. No, he hasn't. I'm just joking. We, <laughs> we, just, we joked about it. He actually has. Breaking bread with men. So he does the men. And there's been times where I wanted to join the group because I wanted to go and be like, why are you guys so difficult to understand? But (laughs) he has never done that. I'm just joking. Um, But so there's that way. And then um, our website is breakingbreadwithwomen.now.site. And you can go on there and you can purchase the book that way. Breakingbreadwithwomen.now.sun. Site, S-I-T-E. S-I-T-E. Okay, mm-hmm. great. Yeah. So, Trista, what are some last uh, little nuggets you want to leave our listeners? Yeah, so first of all, anybody that's listening, to really just, you know, my encouragement is every day, um, look in the mirror. This is something I've done as my journey is to look in the mirror and say something positive about yourself. Because especially if you're a woman, you can look in the mirror and you can think about, man, I don't like my nose or I don't like this or I don't, I did it this morning. I literally was putting my makeup on and I looked at my fiance and I was like, am I beautiful? And he was like, I'm not going to tell you something you don't know. Yes, you're beautiful. (laughs) And then I looked in the mirror and I was like, why didn't you tell me my nose is big? And he was like, it's not big, you know? And so we can be so negative about ourselves sometimes. Self-critical, yeah. So yes, we're our own worst enemy. And so to look in the mirror and to say something positive about yourself. And what I did, I knew that the, uh, every morning where I get ready um, is in the same spot. So what I did was I wrote in red lipstick, I am enough. Mm. And then in my car mirror, the visor that pulls down, which is my mirror, I wrote the same thing, I am enough. Because I knew that when I would get out of the car to go into a store, I would look to see what my makeup looks like. And then I would feel good about myself. And then go see the woman in the store and be like, oh, I wish I looked like her, right? Yeah. And so I wrote those words, I am enough, so that I can say those out loud and remind myself that no matter what, I am enough just as I am. Yes. And so my encouragement would be to say something positive over yourself. And then, you know, if you have went through something that's tragic or that you don't know your identity, like reach out, get into a group, get into Breaking Bread with Women. We would love to um, help you and encourage you. We have a team. I have a team around me that does it with me because I can't do it myself now as we're growing so much, but really get involved someplace and begin to search out who you are and whose you are so that you can ultimately walk into your destiny. Yes. I love it, Trista. Thank you so much for spending your time and being here with me and sharing your story and for being vulnerable and sharing your story. I, um, I'm truly with you and I, I, I thank you. I thank you for, um, uh, mm-hmm. being brave 
and, and yeah. sharing with listeners what you've experienced and how you got to where you are. So thank you so much, Trista, um, for being here with the Beautiest Me podcast. <laughs> yes, thank you again for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Beauteous Me podcast. Please be sure to download new episodes every week and send us your girl, what were you thinking or asking for friend stories to info at imbeauteousme.com. All entries remain anonymous. Also, don't, 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 don't forget to rate, review and hit the subscribe button now.